Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gen Z versus Millennials podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Jacob. I'm Kaveny. I'm Julia. And I'm Alan, the only millennial in the room. That's right. Everyone else here is a part of Gen Z. And <clears throat> today we're going to be talking about a bunch of different topics. But I guess first to start off, we're going to talk about social media. And Jake here has maybe a unique perspective on it. Yes, uh, for at least a month, uh, I went off social media. Well, off the not off the grid, but I still texted people. But uh, more like Instagram, TikTok, and Snapchat, like all the reels and stuff. I tried to, I deleted and I stayed away from it for a month. And uh, I really felt more productive. I felt like I could uh, do more things that I didn't expect I would like, like to read. Like I didn't really like to read until. That, that month where I was kind of bored, but I put good things in there, more uh, productive things than just looking and scrolling through my phone for funny memes or whatever. Uh, what are your guys' perspectives? I actually recently just deactivated my spam account um, <laughs> on Instagram, which for context for people who don't know what that is, you have your like main account where you post like, you know, Photos of you and your friends and, you know, just fun things. But on your spam accounts, usually private. And you post more, like, personal matters and opinions and stuff like that. So I just deactivated that because I was on it too much, I feel. And I already feel like I'm on my phone less. And I just, I do think I would recommend it to other people just to, like, take a break. So when you were doing your spam account, did you feel, like, less, um, or less happy or, like, you were more involved in politics, I imagine? Um, Not from Instagram, no. But I felt like I was too involved in it and just everything. Okay. And other people's lives, too. I was like... Was it like a negative mindset? Well, I don't, I don't want to say it, but a negative mindset? Like, no, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think being in a negative mindset like for and being like active for it, it's just like brings your whole mood down, I think. Definitely. And... I think some things are better off just like you don't want to know. Like, I don't need to know what's on my spam account right now. I don't need to know what's going on. I like not knowing, actually. Yeah, I feel like that's the thing. Like, I feel like our generation was kind of screwed with social interactions and stuff because we were brought in with, like, the internet, like, from when we were kids. So immediately the, everything changed, I feel like. Kids started obviously going outside less and everything started shifting. Life started being like on social media, it feels like. And I mean, even now, like you can, I mean, I don't like going on social media and I plan on, I don't have a lot of, I don't have TikTok anymore and I don't like going on it. But even when you do miss things and aren't on social media, it can kind of feel like you've been taken out of the, I don't know, consciousness that everybody else has about internet miss things going on. And you're kind of out of the loop. So you have to choose being in the loop or sometimes like happiness, it feels like. I do definitely agree. I feel like once you do take that step back, you can feel like almost behind because people will be talking about like current events or like just current jokes and stuff and like you just don't have the context for it 
But I think that means we just need to be encouraging a more widespread like disconnect from social media so that it can become more normal and it doesn't have to feel so like disconnecting social death (laughs) yeah stop using it because like quite honestly you can miss so much in a day it's insane yeah yeah you can like uh (laughs) nowadays i i I miss a lot of like news that comes out from day to day but back when i was younger i'm uh kind of embarrassed to admit it but i never learned how to ride a bike so it's just like I just use social media and stay at home for most of it. Played video games and shit. Uh, can I swear? Okay. Uh, and um, yeah, it's just it was just a different time back then. I actually learned how to ride a bike in Iraq. That was yeah, insane. Wow. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, so I think just moving forward, thinking about Gen Z versus millennials, like us Gen Z kids, we've pretty much had like a glowing dopamine box like in front of our faces since childhood, which has like kind of changed our brains in irreparable ways. And I was wondering like maybe how a millennial viewed that and what your relationship with social media is in the context of how we view it. I love the term glowing dopamine box. Is that what you said? Yeah, something like that. That's beautiful. Um, I'm going to remember that forever. Type shit. <laughs> uh, I, I think about my relationship with social media a lot. And I do think about, I remember a time when I didn't have the internet. And you guys never remember a time probably without the internet. So that's really interesting for me to think about. I feel like maybe, and this would be interesting to get somebody else on a different generation on here, that I think it's really maybe not so much what generation you're in, but how often, how heavily you're utilizing it. And maybe with like Gen Z or whatever the generation is below that, I don't know if they even have a name yet. It's ingrained in your day-to-day life and you miss out on so much. You feel disconnected if you're not part of it. Um, I feel like I have more of freedom to disconnect maybe because it's not as relevant to me as it was in college like Facebook I used super heavy um, and now I am on Instagram again and not really Facebook but I guess LinkedIn and Instagram. Were you a MySpace girly? No I never had MySpace. I made a MySpace Did just you? for fun. Yeah. Is that still a thing? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're just being retro with it? Yeah it was so fun you got to we should bring back bring back MySpace. I loved how shady it was. <laughs> Real, you could play music when you went on somebody's web page. I heard. Come on, I don't. I don't really remember it. I just know that guy Tom. He was like everyone's friend. <laughs> Anyways, that probably isn't a reference you get. Um, yeah, it's a thing. I love that you disconnect from it, and you can. Um, uh, not probably not a relevant question. Who gets access to your spam account? Is it only friends? Is it like who gets access? Just friends, no family. Well, I'm on there. <laughs> I have had family members find me on multiple occasions. I unfortunately had to block them. <laughs> so I'm Julia's brother, and I'm on her spam account, but I'm not on her spam account's close friend story. That's so true. That's another level. There's yeah. there are a lot of levels there are many to this. Levels. Yeah. Too many. I feel like people say. try to yeah. create like some sort of privacy online. There's tears. Difficult to do. Yeah. 
tiers of closeness, depending on what story they're on. <laughs> yeah. Again, like Sam said, it's it's such a weird thing for like privacy, just because it's like it's online. Like it's like even you know someone could be looking over their shoulder, and all of a sudden they're on your close friend story now. Yeah. Now they know everything. Mm-hmm. It's also weird beefing on the internet. What does beefing mean? Fighting. Arguing. <laughs> like when two celebrities have an iconic like dispute or just like dislike for each other, they have beef. Yeah, or if your ex keeps subtweeting you on Twitter. <laughs> Facts. Is that is that relatable to you, Kavani? <laughs> well, I feel like it's relatable to a lot of people, but yes. <laughs> I didn't even understand what you said when your ex what subtweets you subtweets. Okay, yeah. I'm not a big Twitter user. Do you guys know what that it means? means? Yeah, okay. I stay away. Like <laughs> they're talking that people are talking about you, but they're not mentioning your name. But they're like, but everybody kind of knows who they're talking about. They're, they're yeah, indirectly just mentioning you. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and like usually it's. Are they being, like, passive-aggressive? Yeah, usually it's that. Or just full-on aggressive. <laughs> yeah, I, I never really got, like, I never really got, like, arguing online. I never really understood it. It's just a waste of time, I think, because you're never going to, it's only going to hurt both the parties negatively. Yeah. It's never going to, you're never going to change someone's mind on the internet. Yeah, I I came to that conclusion a couple years ago because I was um, a comment worrier but ju- you define some of these terms I don't know I what mean a comment warrior a com- is. I just made like, that one up I think uh, comment what she means is like uh, <laughs> she reads the comments and all the like a lot of people say bad things about I would like, get into arguments says, with people in the comments because yeah. they would say something dumb and I'd be like that's an addiction yeah, that's, that's, that's not good. It's uh, sure. going to the comment section. Just don't like you have such a better internet experience when you don't go into the comment section. Yeah, and I just don't waste your time. Like with that. so much. I don't know. Th- so many things I feel like happen in internet culture in the comment section. Definitely, and I think places like Twitter and Instagram now they they pretty much boost comments yeah. that are seen as like the most controversial. controversial. Like so, when the you go there, you mad. they look like. It's designed to make you, yeah, just keep scrolling and scrolling and getting angry so that you're engaged in the site because happy users will most likely get off the site. Yeah. So I think that's one of the major problems just with social media in general. I was going to say I agree as well. So many things nowadays are like bait to keep people watching or keep people into something. And I didn't even realize that that was a thing. So I would see something. I was like, that's so stupid. Why would someone say that? And then in the comments, it's like, guys, they're literally like, <laughs> they're just doing this for attention. I'm like, oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Crazy. yeah there's, there's a lot of scummy ways to like uh, get views on the internet too. Like, like with TikTok, there's like, you know, you always see the people like giving food to the homeless people. like, oh. And then it's all staged and like, it's just all fake. It doesn't make any sense to me just yeah. for the views. Um, I have a question for you guys. How do you feel about the phrase, like, question everything, like, criticize everything when it comes to social media? Hmm. Um, like, I guess I, I see what it's saying. I just feel like you should almost not take stuff on social media seriously. Yeah. Like, it's it's all entertainment for the most part. Yeah, I feel like people go really ham on the criticizing part, 
so much of the internet is literally just like making rude comments about people who you don't really know. And I mean, I feel like there's been such so much more negativity in like in put in my head from comments I that I've seen that aren't even relating to me, but I feel what were you saying about something I can't remember. I don't know. Like talking about what? I it was something about the comments and how it's, they're designed to like engage you with controversial takes. I feel like the atmosphere now of is just more critical rather than like less serious. That's yeah, everything is very serious on the internet it feels yeah. like. Especially on places like Twitter, like yeah. in poli like, political spaces. You make one mistake and like it's you're criticized heavily for it and I don't know. Yeah, there's a, like there's a joke on Twitter like pretty much like you could say you like pancakes and somebody will say, "Oh, so you don't like waffles." Like, yeah. People That's literally it. They create things Definitely. in their mind to get mad at and it's Absolutely. I always think of it as like a reflection of our humanity that we need to express these sort of emotions, but with the screen in between you, it feels different. And that's why I think the answer isn't always looking back at the past, but I do find it fascinating when you think about town halls or any of these community gathering spaces that we don't really, people don't really use heavily anymore since the pandemic. But even before then, not a lot of people are going to your town hall meetings but ways to interact with people where you're really face-to-face -face with somebody that you might disagree with, it feels different than if you're in the comment section. Absolutely. And you probably yeah. never would have talked to that person 50 years ago. You wouldn't have known who they were. And maybe they wouldn't have gotten mad that you didn't like waffles, <laughs> you know? And I wonder, yeah, I wonder if we need to think more about reengaging on a person-to-person face-to-face mm. level i think we need that i like, think for humanity to continue to continue yeah. i guess community is super important and i feel like i don't know if it's just in the u.s but i feel like a lot of people are very individualistic and isolationist and i feel like it's only gotten worse in the past like i don't know like for the time i've been alive i suggest so socialism i mean that's good, but <laughs> why don't we, we're, we're talking to a millennial. Why don't we use like nice words like sugarcoated? Bernie like, Sanders. How about, nah, that's too, too radical. Dang. He wants free healthcare. Like, how about we start with like, maybe like better public transportation and Ooh. walkable cities. You know what I mean? Yes. Or unless you just. A third place perhaps. Yeah. Would love a third place. I mean, place. a house in the suburb is nice, but I don't want to have to drive like 20 minutes to get anywhere. No, yeah. I, I hate being in the suburbs because there's nothing close and everything feels like 8,000 miles away. And in addition, sorry, Julia, um, <laughs> suburbs are actually like, they can be often worse for kids because there are so many cars, like the infrastructure is based around cars. There's no place for kids to walk, play outside. Like in other countries like Japan, I don't know if you guys have seen like the Netflix show where a two-year-old can walk to the store and people in the U S think that's insane, but it's, it's just, I don't know. It's not Culture. like, it's not like, yeah, it's partly, partially culture and just. Uh, something to add to that, um, uh, for the suburbs, like, you only have cars. That's why, that's part of the reason why I didn't learn how to ride a bike because there's, there wasn't really many places yeah. to go and I, my parents just drove me everywhere when I went outside, so. I mean, we had a summer of biking and even during that summer, we were told to watch out for the streaker. 
Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, even when you try to integrate these kinds of activities in, it's just already like so many issues will come up. When you try to do something well, <laughs> sometimes adults will even be like, oh, watch out for this, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah, adults, I feel like so many adults are very like scared of the world. Like they have some sort of anxiety that was kind of like pressed into us and then they turn around and get mad when we turn to things like video games and social media. But it's like, what else do we really have? Like the world that we grew up in is, I think it's a lot different than what older people have grown up in. Like, especially seeing our parents go through like the financial crisis in 2008. Like the American dream just looks a lot different for us. Like I think we've kind of, seen behind the curtain so to speak and just like including climate change there aren't a lot of positive prospects for us so yeah like with the world looking as bleak as it is like it makes sense that a lot of people turn to nihilism uh something to add on to that it does feel like the you know you're proud to be american that saying has been getting less and less over the generations like as a millennial i imagine there's there were more people that were proudful to be an american than gen z because I don't see many people in Gen Z that are proud to be American. Uh, but back in, like, Gen X or Boomer, they were heavily on There's a song. Side. Yeah. Yeah, there was, like, something to rally around, I think, for each of those generations, either World War II or the Vietnam War. You could come together and either support something or be against something. And I think with the division that's happening, which is probably a result of social media interaction, using a screen, all that stuff. I think it's harder to rally around something, even though we have these huge major issues that are, you know, coming down that make things look very bleak. Um, I always like to look the brighter side. I do, I do feel optimistic in the younger generations because I do think that no matter what generation comes down, like if you look at history, there's always been ingenuity within humanity and it, we adapt and I think that will happen. And I think part of the answer is community and connection. Mm, for definitely. sure. And um, I'm all about that. And I will say, like, online spaces can be a good place to foster community, especially when, like, physical spaces either don't exist or aren't safe for people who are, like, in parts of outgroups and minorities. I think it can be a useful space. It just has to be used correctly. Yeah, I feel like it's so hard to regulate things like I don't know there's it's so weird with the internet because I've been thinking like lately would we be better like with it or without it in our livelihoods and there's I don't know it's just such a loaded question and I don't know I spent a lot of time thinking about it still have not come up with the answer yeah, yeah what, what time are we on because we could talk about a lot more stuff, but I don't want to start saying, like, yeah, socialism and free health care if we only have, like, two minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll Maybe we'll, we'll save that for the next episode. Because <laughs> I do want to know how millennials view things like that. Yeah. Like, how do you guys view, like, the prospect Bring of ben in universal health care, even, like, housing the homeless? Like, is housing yeah. a human right? Because I feel like a lot of people have this idea of, like, oh, if you're not working, like, 80 hours a week, you deserve to die. Like yeah. And I think, like... I don't know how millennials view capitalism, if you guys are big fans, but I feel like a lot more people in Gen Z kind of see some of the faults in it. Not that there's any perfect system, but. But there are faults in any system. There are faults in any system, but to be totally blind to think that the capitalism has no faults is just wrong. 
Yeah. And I think especially just the idea of like, oh, if we help out the rich, they're going to help us. <laughs> I feel like that's a big thing that a lot of older people say, like Reaganomics. And it's just, yeah. I feel like if you look around, you can definitely see that like they only want to benefit themselves. I took an international relations course this year and it was probably one of the most depressing classes I've ever taken because it basically was like, well, the system was set up so that the people who are at the top stay at the top and then now they've kind of made all the systems so that they have to stay that way or they need to be completely toppled and... It's, I don't know, like the UN is, they've been trying to reform it for the past 30 years and nothing's come of it. And it's just getting, I don't know, things keep escalating and there just seems to continuously not be a solution to those issues. Uh, I actually watched a video on the UN and like the peacekeeping forces. Oh, yeah. uh, But they've been banned, like, uh, (laughs) I don't know when, but they've been banned for a little, little while. And like... People see, keep saying, like, oh, it has no um, impact on uh, stopping wars, but it has. They just refuse to look at the statistics and think the only thing preventing war is with more weapons, which is just wrong. I, it's yeah. not the right solution. Yeah, I think a lot of, like, I don't want to say older people, maybe not millennials, but a lot of people in the Gen X and boomer generations are very beholden to traditions and, like, oh, this is how things were. And a lot of Gen Z kids, or at least the people I know, are really thinking about, like, do these systems serve us, like, and can we change them? Because if they're not helping the people, then why do we have them around? Like, we shouldn't just keep something because it's been somewhat operational over the past 200 years. Yeah, and I mean, like, those are the same systems that are now bringing us to where we've been told... The world's going to end basically by 2050 due to climate change, er, like stuff. And there's already wars over water. So it's kind of like, well, we have to do something, but I mean. It doesn't seem like we're doing anything. Yeah. We're making a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I just. <laughs> Perfect. It kind of frustrates me when like the biggest thing that the Republican Party cares about is like, oh, we have to ban trans people. Oh, yeah. And it's like. Besides the fact that, like, they deserve to exist, whatever, it's also just a big distraction from everything else that's going on. Yeah. And I think I that's, mean, like... we're on the brink of defaulting on our loans, which would be the first time that's ever happened in history. But, like, they made a deal, but they don't even know if it's going to pass yet because oh. it has to go through, I think, the House or something. And even that, they're like, oh, we don't know if we're going to come to an agreement on this. And it's like... Well, if we can't come and do an agreement on this, then what can we come to an agreement on? It's like, brother, that's your job. It's the one thing you have to do. (laughs) For real. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's like it's hard for me to understand things like the debt ceiling and all that because I feel like in some cases it just like it exists (laughs) theoretically. But if we go above it, we just raise the debt ceiling and we just keep keep making more money like. I think as long as our GDP keeps growing, like, it doesn't really matter how much debt we have to a certain extent. But it seems like people are always like, oh, we need to, it's all about the money, it's all about the economy. Yeah. 
I'm really impressed with the conversation. You're also well-spoken and knowledgeable on these issues. Um, I obviously can't speak for the millennial generation at large because there's a lot of diversity in that. Please do it. But um, I think that you're right about the systematic, looking at the systems and how the systems need to change foundationally, and that's really scary for a lot of people. And as you all grow older, hopefully knock on wood, like we'll get to an older age, we need to evaluate what the younger generation coming up is saying too and not to get too beholden to our traditions and our thought process because there's always something to learn from the experiences of people coming up from under you and from above you. So I think it's probably somewhere in the middle that we need to meet on all of it. And it's really hard to do that because there's so many strong forces on either side, but we're all in existence in the world together. And that's why government, it's so conflicted and hard. And when you look at it, it's very complicated. Mm. And just for a second, I feel like we need more civics classes. We need to educate society on how our current government functions because there's a lot of anger of why things moving so slow. Why isn't this happening? Blah, blah, blah. So how does it work? And if you wanted to change it, what are the ways? Get rid of the two-party system. Get rid of the two-party system. Please, please. Easy peasy. Please. Rank rank, rank choice voting. Yes. That is something that I'm like so into that we could really bring in. Um, I think Maine, the state of Maine does it. And Cambridge, the city of Cambridge does rank choice voting too. That's cool. I think some parts of Alaska do it too. Or it could be all of Alaska. But yeah, things aren't just like one or... One side or the other. Uh, what's a what was a rank? Choice rank voting? choice rank. voting. What's that? So it's like you vote your first choice, your second choice, oh, and your okay. third choice, and the vote the person that wins isn't like it, it's based on people's first, second, and third. So it's usually not somebody on an extreme side. I think that gets into office. You know, it's like people in general are usually the majority of people are happier with the person elected because of the system. So is it like the top person gets the most points and the lowest person gets like less points, like, so to speak? Like, how does the ranking work in terms of like deciding who wins? I think it's it some just sort does. of numerical equation. Okay, like yeah. yeah. Which uh, I don't, I can't really I don't know speak. math. Yeah, You're just, the engineer but it sounds here, cool, I just it, wanted guys? to make sure. You're the poly science major, Kaveny. What the hell? All I know is like um, P plus something V equals like... Um, D, which is like, I don't know. I think that's all wrong, but something about the incentive to vote and one in getting to the polls. Pokemon go to the polls. You know what I mean, Pokemon millennials? Go to the polls. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Thank it's you, Hillary. Hillary Rodham Clinton. Okay. Yeah. The, the original You're girl not boss. Her girly facts. Oh my gosh. You guys are really funny. N- never forget the 2016 election. The, yeah. <laughs> Well, you all can win it all. Will this be the first election, 2024? You all can vote, right? Yes. In the the presidential election. Mm -hmm. I voted in the midterms. I did. I voted for some dude in the Workers' Party in Massachusetts. I think he got like 2% of the votes, but that's okay. (laughs) Proud of you. I don't even know what they do. I just like the name. So I think we've talked about a lot, but there's a lot more that we can talk about. I want to hear more maybe from the millennial perspective next time, but I think we had a good discussion and i liked hearing everybody's inputs like everybody is super well spoken and intelligent i loved hearing you talk and yeah it's been fun